And welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. We have a lot of snacks. So many snacks. <laughs> it is Girl Scout cookie season. And I am the cookie mom of Elisa's Girl Scout troop. So we have no shortage of cookies. Um, but not only that, we also, um, for some reason, took an emergency trip to Kroger <laughs> on the way over here. We are absolute monsters tonight. So we apologize. <laughs> Okay, so what have you been watching? Oh, we're just jumping right into it. Yeah, jumping right into it. Okay. Me and Brian took the kids to Marvel Live. Oh, I saw that on, um, I guess, Instagram. It was so cool. What what exactly, uh, what is that? It is a live show with all the Marvel superheroes and villains. It was so cool. Like, it was all, I mean, it's very acrobatic, and there was explosions and lights and motorcycles and then they did a whole storyline about them needing to get this wand, and Loki wanted it. Was uh, Tom Hiddleston there? I wish. Yeah. All I kept thinking was like, none of those people are as hot as the real people. Which uh, child liked it better? Adam. Adam, okay. He, We bought him a little ray gun, you know, the gun that he was shooting you with. Oh, that's where, that's why you're, okay, well, I never did get the answer to where he got that because from. Because he just lies to you, doesn't he? You don't, you don't want to tell <laughs> he, you anything. Yeah, he's the father of lies, because that's all he did to me today. <laughs> Or he lied by omission. He didn't lie as much as just not tell me anything that was true. <laughs> I know. What did um, Elise think? She liked it a lot. And so that really made me want to watch Avengers Infinity War. And so Brian and I watched it that night again. We sat in the movie theater, obviously. We see every Marvel movie in the movie theater. but And it's just so good. Yeah, I, I noticed this on Netflix. I've seen it in the theater. Also. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It is. We watched it on DVD, I think. But. Yeah. So, but I've been going through all the old Marvel movies to, mm-hmm. for some reason, to build up to it. Although it makes really no difference, but it's a project. So I'm on like Ant Man, I think. Mm-hmm. So I have a few more movies to go through. Yeah, but as soon as it's over, you know, we're just like, that is a hell of a good movie. Yeah, I mean, as far as those big budget, giant superhero no, movies, it's wonderful. I'm saying, okay. <laughs> as far as those movies go, you know, the, the, those Marvel movies, you know, you just can't knock them. They they always knock it out of the park. I mean, there's, they just absolutely know what they're doing. Yeah, I Hanging do. Out. You got to credit them for that sort of cultural moment, though, because like that's like the you know, it kind of reminds me of like that whole summer when people were wondering who shot Mr. Burns on The Simpsons. Oh right. So for like a whole year, people are like, okay, who was really dead? You know, who's really coming back to life? You uh, know, that's that's been a conversation for. A while amongst, you know, not even nerds, but like, you know, Twitter. and you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, sorry, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not nerds. <laughs> right. Um, but that is quite an achievement. I mean, like, you know, that, you know, most movies don't do that, you know, which is almost like Harry Potter, you know. Right. You know, Harry Potter had that same sort of conversation between books. Did you watch Abducted in Plain Sight? Everyone's no, but that keeps that. crossing up on my Netflix. You will like this, Chris. So. I... Didn't make it very far. Is it a documentary or a movie? It's a documentary. It's very disturbing and infuriating. But if you want to start it, you can. I'm, I, it'd be funny if you started it and if you turn it off at some point, let me know where you turn it off and see if it was the same place. So it made you turn it off? I'm really curious about this now. Cause... Yeah, it just it got to a point where I just I didn't want to know anymore. Hmm. But anyway. Well, so what have you been watching? So I watched uh, on Netflix uh, Russian Doll. Yeah. Which uh, I believe was upon your recommendation and yeah. Netflix's. Yeah. Also. yeah. And like all of Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, pretty much everything I've read in the past two weeks. Right. But you've mentioned it first, I think. Uh, and that is an amazing show. So what do you have to say about it? Oh, I loved it. The first two episodes weren't boring, but once they introduced that second character, it just picked up and took off. Also, the first episode, when you kind of realize what the conceit is, I thought, oh, so this is just groundhog day like is this right and and there's been a few uh, shows or episodes of things that do that and i always like i always get really impatient with it like there's an episode of buffy where they did that and maybe in the, the x-files episode monday you know mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm sure there's other examples, and I always they're always usually end up being great. But I do always get very impatient and slightly anxious. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, who knew there were going to be all these different rules of what happens, and then dimensions, and I mean, yeah, it was amazing. But um, once I realized that, okay, it was clearly not just that. It's kind of a, you know, there's a twist within a twist. And then there's, you know, it's a great character study. And it's, you know, it's funny as all get out. And and uh, Natasha Leon, I hope, you know, she just gets all the Emmys yeah. now because she's so good in it. Uh, she's kind of, you know, similar character to Nikki in Orange yes, is New Black. Yes, she is. And also maybe partly her. Yeah, that, it may just be her. I love her voice. I know. <laughs> and uh she has some great one-liners. I saw that she wrote a lot of the show too, so that's, that's and good. it was all women directors and writers. Yeah, which is very awesome. I don't know if there's the type of show where it would be a second season, but I would love to. I would love it if there were. It seems like they haven't really ruled it out. Do you think it would be a different character? I would. I would. I would hope not. But you really want her to have to go through that again? Though? No, I would just watch a show about her, just maybe in her normal life. Okay, <laughs> you know, just. Her being happy. But yeah, so many little details about how it, then it would ramp up and then things were disappearing and then all of a sudden things were back and yeah, it was yeah, amazing. I didn't really ever understand why things were disappearing. I mean, I liked it on like a metaphor level and right. Um, but I didn't quite get like so what's exactly happening? But it's okay. I mean, it's it's a great great show. And well, I mean, like it's also like a mystery. She's like a little detective. Every day she has to go and she, she finds out who the guy is because right, of the ring. Yeah. I think my favorite scene, yeah, is when she goes to the jewelry store yes. and talks to that, you know, sort of, uh, well, she's not really sarcastic, just sort of <laughs> haughty sales lady that's actually kind of involved, though, in the, in the question right. she's asking. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the sales lady eventually, you know, realizes that you're obviously don't know who this isn't your fiance you're looking for and, and he kicks her out. And Natasha Leon says, well, I applaud your instincts. <laughs> Which that was such a great line. She's um, so she's so great. <laughs> but it's a um, great, great show. So highly recommended. So uh, what are we drinking tonight? Well, I found a rosé called Menage a Trois. What? <laughs> you think we'd have this whenever we had uh, Brian on the show? Right, right. That's I think we, we had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, because the movie that we chose is half French. Half French, yeah. um, half Dutch, but it's called The Vanishing. Right. And it is our very first foreign movie on is. this podcast. Possibly our most prestigious movie. Is that true, do you think? Uh, maybe. More prestigious than Pet it's, Cemetery. It's Criterion Collection. <laughs> right. There is no Criterion for Pet Cemetery. No. Because there is a scene, we'll, we're not going to talk about the movie till a little bit later, but there is a scene where someone says, I don't feel like I'm part of a menage a trois when he, she's talking about a particular strange love triangle um so that's what made me think about it also i thought it was really cool because the i think the the winery is called foile a which means the madness of two right and so that really it's very on brand for this yeah it, the, the wine is made in california which kind of kind of blows a little bit but um but honestly we we couldn't find a dutch wine <laughs> or anything dutch themed i looked for one uh, that had like yeah. tulips on it yeah. i looked for one with a windmill nothing. people buried alive yeah. uh, keeper sutherland <laughs> no no, no? this is uh, not that don't no, tell okay. they're gonna now they're gonna get all excited yeah. delete that joke <laughs> um but yeah, so that's what we're um, drinking. So yeah, this is um, we're very excited to um, talk about this movie. But we're gonna do it a little differently this time, right? But you know, just well, we will discuss yeah. the movie we're watching. I will say this is the first time I've seen it ever this week. You're the one that um, well, well, pushed it upon you. Yeah, well, let's talk about this. Why <laughs> did you pick this movie? Because you seem pretty insistent upon it. Um, well, I love this movie, and it's probably one of my favorites. When did you first watch it? Um, years ago. Okay, so you've been on this. For a while then. Yeah. But then this other person came back up in the news. And there's just so many similarities between him and this movie. And so that person is Ted Bundy. He is back with the Netflix special and the Zac Efron movie. And so usually we talk about the movie. And at the end, I tag on a true crime that we some kind of tie into it. But since both of us have watched the Ted Bundy files. Right. We're going to do the true crime portion first. Yeah. And Ted Bundy is someone that, you know, when I, whenever I think about you and your, you know, your true crime uh, 
Like when I listened to the episode with you and Brian, and you really explained how you why you love true crime. Uh huh. For me, I always thought about it was like me and Ted Bundy in high school, which sounds weird. But what I mean is, okay. in high school, I, I did have a phase where I read all like the time live true crime books that were in the library. Uh-huh. I remember being particularly obsessed with a Ted Bundy book. Oh. He had a whole book all to himself. Why I was at our high school, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who's giving you guys bad ideas? I know, we had a whole file of them. Um, but I remember just being fascinated by that. And then me and my little, you know, girlfriends in the library would all like, you know, talk about it and, um, you know, how creepy it was and, you know how we got away you know so the, yeah that was like my kind of true crime phase um, oh, okay so when i saw the ted bundy netflix special pop up i remember thinking like two things one of them being well that seems really exploitive and tacky and also i'm all in yes <laughs> <laughs> so um i assume it was the same for you <laughs> Like one of my favorites. I never knew that much about him. I always kind of thought about, I knew about the yellow Volkswagen and we'll get into that more as it has to do with my parents and them growing up in the seventies. But I didn't know much about him. I knew he murdered a bunch of women. And I tried to read Anne Rule's book. Did you ever read that? No, but the stranger I know, beside me. Yeah, I know. It was that like one of her first ones. I think. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I, I was, it's not written very well, which I mean, again, it was her first book. Um, so it was just kind of hard to, start and kind of get into you should read that time life book i should had pictures and everything but so then when this came up i was like okay well i don't know much about ted bundy i'm gonna watch this and it made me livid he's so awful and also it was like too much of it was just all about him right well yeah i mean that's the conceit i mean it's you know his kind of from his point of view almost in a way Right. Although I, you know, when I started watching it, I, I do think it's, it's not nearly as exploitive as I thought it was going to be, because I mean, yeah, it, they, you hear his voice and you, the idea is like, oh, we're hearing his tapes for, for the first time. Right. Did yeah. I call the Ted Bundy files? They do. Well, they call the Ted Bundy tape. So, yeah. I, I, but I constantly call it Ted Bundy files. Like yeah. I just call anyway. it, yeah, Bundy. I think, but, <laughs> um, but you have all these other voices in the show that are countering his sort of nonsense, and then the main guy that interviews him is basically. Spends most of his interview time talking like just how full of shit he was. Right. So because of that and, you know, you kind of have all these sort of counterbalancing to his voice, the whole movie, I felt kind of. Yeah. Now I think about it more, I think more what makes me, ang- not, I don't know if angry is the right word, but doesn't seem right is the Zac Efron movie. And I haven't seen it, but I do know that one of the things that was interesting is that I liked in the documentary how they talked about how he wanted to be like athletic. He wanted to be the star basketball player, but he wasn't, he sucked. And then, but then they cast Zac Efron with still his big muscles. And so he, yeah. I guess so they're, they're kind of like, a bit smaller almost, but maybe I wouldn't really. No, they show him with his shirt off. Like he's after he's arrested oh. and they, even in the pictures, like they, they show the same mugshot. Ted Bundy's is just like a normal looking arm. And then you see Zac Efron's giant bicep and that just, shows to me that they're like showing him as he thought he was which i but i don't think they're trying to do that i don't think they're trying to be meta i think they're just trying to sh- think uh perpetuate the stereotype that he was like this handsome charming guy which you don't get that from the documentary i don't think no i think a lot of people were saying that about the documentary but it seems like like you said most people were saying like yeah he was kind of bumbling he like they showed that the trailer for the zach efron movie too and it's supposed to be from like lily collins's point of view and like they had this great relationship and he was charming and he loved her daughter. Again, I haven't seen the movie. so. I, but then they show in the documentary, you know, actually that girlfriend was, they were um, fighting a lot. She called the police on him twice. So, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I think you kind of come away with a documentary for me that he's just, I mean, he's kind of a big loser, really. I mean, yeah. like, like, I, like, that's a good way. He does see himself this way. But like, but like my big insight, I forgot that he was like, like glorified well he wasn't even a lawyer he was a law student right um okay so he didn't you know no offense to anybody but he didn't make it into an accredited law school but in his head he's just like top-notch lawyer that he's basically going to glorified night schools with his any documentary which means it's not accredited right um he couldn't that's you know that says something and that doesn't mean that anyone who goes to those school is no, not but, good but the fact but the that, way he presents yes. himself like right. he would you know, beat like the fact that he thought he could defend his own case is just right. laughable, you know. 
but also he apparently was not a good student. You know, he didn't do very well. There's a suggestion that maybe he didn't even, I don't think he even finished. Well, no, I know he didn't finish because he never even took the bar. Right. He was a bad student. It doesn't, you know, it's actually not as hard as people think to get into law school. Um, oh, that's a dirty secret. Well, it's not law schools want your money. Okay? Oh, okay. It's hard to get into good law schools. Okay. But it's, it, and it's not hard to, to, set, to pass law school. Because they, they want to keep you there. They want to take your money. It's You get one great year, and they don't really want to fail you out. You just The secret is you, if you don't get ranked well enough, you're not going to be able to do anything with your degree. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's who he was. He was like this guy that's always going to be at the bottom of his class from a you know a third-tier school, um, and he, yet he thinks he's like this Ivy League Harvard Law graduate. Like one of those incel guys. He, yes, he didn't know yeah. how to talk to women. Yeah. And that made him angry. Also, the way he looked at pornography was completely backwards. Yeah. I mean, it's something we were talking about at work. Um, apparently, it's a pretty big deal. But And we were kind of discussing, did they ever, you know, say exactly or put forth some theory about why he did this? And I kind of just said, well, I guess, you know, he he's an asshole that hates women. Isn't that kind of usually right. what, that seems well, to be his operating theory, right? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things like I was talking about with brian too is he was asking me why do i like true crime and part of it is the psychology of it and what makes people act like this that's what i think also what made me so angry about this it's it doesn't make ed kemper or jeffrey dahmer um charles manson any their victims aren't any and their crimes aren't any less worse but you see where they came from there's all these things but with ted bundy there's nothing it's like he was from a like a an American household, he was. Well, a I white guess he guy. found out he was adopted. And that kind of bu- that seemed to kind of bug him. Well, that happens to a lot of people. I know, but that, but that, he does sort of put forth that theory at some point, right? Although you never really know if he even believes that himself, I guess. But and so he blames it on pornography and yeah. the women in the pictures. Yeah. When really it's just. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a what's the word cipher? Like just he's just this empty sort of character that you kind of put your own motives on but it doesn't he makes no sense really i think that's what's kind of infuriating about him well i think that's why it's so interesting how it ties into our movie they seem like very similar serial killers i wonder how much they did base him on ted bundy people kept saying that the documentary portrayed him as like a genius and but i don't think i don't don't think think they did but i think that that is kind of the myth of him i think that's what they meant yeah i think that the myth of him is that he was like this really smart guy who got away with this stuff but in actuality charming and right in actuality he was a creep he was a little bumbling he um i mean i will it is amazing that he escaped jail twice <laughs> i mean you do have to kind of give up for that I well mean, one time he just jumped out of a window right but that is all that still i mean kudos <laughs> because i mean <laughs> he you know how many people probably thought i should just jump out that window he and he did it you know so i guess but the second time that did seem legitimately hard where he he basically shawl shanked his way out of that prison to the you know the ceiling right he he lost weight to get out of the yeah yeah and then Uh, that infuriated me you know you just he gets out and he's just a fucking madman and he goes in and kills was three five more women yeah the 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 university of the sorority, right? Yeah. yeah. So he kills three women there, brutally assaults two others, and kills a little girl. And ugh, it just made me so angry. I think there was some point I was embroidering while I was watching it. And when they when they put up <clears throat> all of his victims at the end, they put all the and I, I just remember like not I realized I wasn't even breathing. I was just like so upset. It was just very upsetting. Well, I mean, well, are you glad you watched it? I mean, do you think it's good? Do you think it's worth it? I mean. I didn't really think about it in those terms, but you seem pretty agitated about it. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I got the information. I'm glad I got other sides of it that they talked to people. I what I really liked too was there was one reporter who said when he was finally done talking to Ted Bundy, because he just felt nauseous and he hated him, and he was just like you said, he was so full of shit. And so then it, that's how I felt at the end of it. So maybe that was I got it all out of my system. And it's like, okay, I know who he is now, and I don't need to know anymore. I do think it's interesting to think about, I guess this goes along with what we're saying, but I think the real reason he got away with it for so long, not it wasn't because he was so smart necessarily, um, but I think a lot of it just has to do with, at that time, 
yeah. it, it didn't occur to people or specifically law enforcement that there would be such a person as a serial killer right <laughs> doing what he was doing like why would one person i mean outside of jack the ripper i guess you know, th- you know now that would become pretty quickly to people's minds oh we have a serial killer on our hands right back then that just wasn't a thing or if it was a thing it wasn't a known thing you know well no so do you remember what year mindhunter started in oh, it's the same time yeah so that's what i was kind of thinking of that, yeah that show I, and the, i guess the true story underneath it was kind of tracking that same time period right um so they didn't even benefit from those guys work really i mean no, it was yeah, it was a little before that before yeah. they could have possibly used that. And of course, the police officers and the different police departments weren't you know in touch with each other. And I mean, you can see how this would happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it makes it seem like he's like so smart. Well, that I mean, that one day he was at Sammamish Lake, which is my um, mom's cousin lives in Sammamish, and he tried to abduct the two, two women, right? And then he did. Well, abduct. he did. Yeah. I know, but there was a few others that he tried, you know, which was also similar to our movie, which we'll get into. And I mean, it is pretty amazing that he didn't. I mean, he eventually did get caught because of that. They they recognized his his um, car and they got a sketch of him. And yeah, had, but that, that's the amazing thing to me is that you know there was a time where Ted Bundy was on the list of possible suspects for that very abduction, and they didn't even interview him. Right. Uh, There's a guy named Ted. They knew they knew they knew they looked for someone named Ted. There's a guy named Ted that owned a yellow Volkswagen, who's thin wife or girlfriend was complaining about him and he even quite i mean he was on the radar but they didn't i mean that's crazy to me it is um i and the, to me the documentary didn't quite explain like how did that happen because i don't know but yeah i see how it's infuriating well was that about the time we started to get heat on him is that when he moved to yeah that's right before he moved utah? to utah yeah okay but that does seem like you know quite an oversight you know because even the police officer that was interviewed Admitted, like, yeah, he was someone we we're looking at. And that's about it. You can't see me shrugging right. <laughs> violently. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I did think, I mean, I watched, I will say, I watched three out of four parts all on a, like one day. Oh, right. Cause you text me and you're like, I'm never going outside again. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to bed and I wasn't scared or anything because I'm, you know, that's probably not going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, also, I'm so sorry, women. <laughs> I know. How do y'all ever leave the house? I mean, we are such terrible assholes, but. But I did go to bed just very just generally anxiety ridden and stressed out and thinking like, why did I do that? Right. Um, but then the next night I watched part four and I was very excited. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, so don't do that, listeners. But, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you may enjoy it. Oh, you probably have already watched it. Yeah. I think it's a big hit. The Zach Efron thing I was going to say, I believe... My vibe from it, I, it seems almost like an American Psycho kind of thing, like a satire almost. I don't know I, if that's what they're going for, though. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I also have read that Zac Efron's supposed to be really good, and that's fine. I could see that. I, I do love Zac Efron. I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming anybody. I haven't seen the fucking movie yet, so I should really be quiet. But um, I don't think I'd be. I don't, I don't think I'd be able to play a real life serial killer. I know that's tough. I just think you know, you know. Aren't you always by some by some means, you know, glorifying him or right? Give, I don't know. There just seems like I'm not sure what you get from that. Well, what about in Mindhunter? Those men who played, like especially who the man who played Ed Kemper. I mean, he's amazing, but he's also showing you a side that you would never be able to see. You got to actually see him. As he was. I mean, essentially, he looks just like him. He talks just like him. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I, I can see that. But even that, that so clearly in service to this larger plot about, you know, how these people develop this, you know, criminology and, and sort of... Whereas the Ted Bundy movie, mm. if true, is all about... I see what you mean. You know, yeah. Just Ted Bundy. Right. So, when I was watching the documentary, what I really kept thinking about was my parents, my mom specifically. So... My parents grew up in Southern California, and <laughs> go on. <laughs> and so I was trying to figure out the timeline. So I was te- I text my mom, and I was just like, "I am so glad that Ted Bunny didn't murder you, because he she was his exact type: long brown hair, very pretty, young, but she was be a little too young. Luckily, so they." graduated in 75 they got married a couple years later 
maybe a year later. And then my dad moved to Provo, Utah in 77. So they like and barely missed them. Also, my parents had a green Volkswagen Bug, which I loved that car. So my mom kept saying like, we barely missed. He was here when we were here in Provo, Utah. But I figured out the timelines and they weren't quite there. But that's still pretty scary. So she said this recently because yes. of the documentary? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. But they were very too close to him. I could be my mom. I could not be here, Chris. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the collage of victims, I mean. Uh, yeah. It's getting spooky. It is spooky. Uh, but that one woman, she escaped him. And she has to live with that. God, I just hate him so fucking much, you know? All that damage he did. And then he gets arrested. He gets out and does more damage to not just those women's lives, but their families and their families that they never had. It just makes me so angry. I don't know why more than most others. I think just because he's such an asshole and he's so entitled that it just makes me more angry, I guess. Yeah. He's kind of like the worst case scenario for white privilege. (laughs) (laughs) Just gone absolutely wrong. Yes. (laughs) Not that it's ever, I mean, I don't know. White privilege is what it is, but I mean, that. You could make a case that it's like at its most extreme. Yes. I'm sure if he didn't look the way he did, he may not have, you know, flown over people's radars. As, although, you know, it does seem like maybe it wasn't quite as under the radars, you know, people. And it seems like the worst thing people thought he was creepy, right. like his wife. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's this comedian named uh, Kara Clank. She's really funny. And she did a bit about that, how she doesn't want to be single again. And she does a, does a bit about, I mean, uh, like Ted Bundy had a like long-term girlfriend. She called the police on, his tw- on him twice, but she just still didn't leave him. She didn't want to go back out there. She didn't have to start dating again. But That's funny. I I hate to talk, bring up the death penalty, but I just, I don't. We're, we're getting pretty deep on this I just don't, hilarious episode. So. I don't see any other way. What else would you do with him? Yeah, let's not let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> There's just no right answer for that. I'm happy he's dead. <laughs> I'll, I'll put that out there. <laughs> I am not sad about that. There was no yeah. tears shed. I wouldn't have been out there in the pickup trucks with the beers and the right. I know. I don't. I think you would have actually based on that. <laughs> I can't say for sure. I wouldn't have bought that T-shirt. Yeah. I can imagine you down there with your Saturn and <laughs> just whooping it up. <laughs> I used to, like, when I'd go to concerts, you know, I'd use that chalk paint for the back of my car. I would write, burn, but, what, what, what were they? The burn, Bundy, burn. Yeah. So clever. Oh, my gosh. I would love to have one of those t-shirts now, like a vintage shirt from then. I wouldn't it, wear it out, probably. I don't know. Yeah, It is very Florida, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, that's not a good state to get caught in. No, no. There was no death penalty in Oregon, right? That is so crazy to me, though, when you have, like, you know, the live footage, well, not live, but the footage of him in, in court, and the judge is like, who are you? What is your name? And he's just like, I'm not telling you my identity. Right. That actually happened. And yes. they didn't, and, like, they were flummoxed. Like, they did not know what to do. They just, well, they kept him locked up. But, I mean, that that is, there's so many, Um, I mean, this is probably why it's such a, you know, a story that endures. Sorry, yeah, I but, mean, it is a fascinating story. You're right. But there's so many wrinkles to it. And that's like any one of those wrinkles would be, you know, hard to believe unto itself. You know, if you just heard a story about a guy that just appeared, you know, like right. that was arrested and didn't give the police his identity and the judge didn't know what to do with it, that would itself be a compelling like Dateline episode. Much less, oh, this guy also killed like upwards of 40 women yeah. over a decade in three states. And, you know. Well, he says that maybe even more than that over six states oh really but who knows he's a fucking liar but also i made me so angry whenever he said that he wanted his ashes spread across the mountains where he had also left his victims bodies yeah oh made me livid they didn't do that did they i wouldn't think so yeah just kind of cleaned up the chair and (laughs) yeah (laughs) how was he killed was it electric chair do you think or oh i think it was electric chair such a bizarre way to die it is there's not been a lot of jokes on this. <laughs> right. Everyone's tuning in for this funny podcast. Yeah, maybe, the, so maybe we shouldn't have opened one Ted Bundy. This is not the right podcast. Okay. Let's talk about our movie. Yeah, so how are we going to segue into our movie? Oh, I felt like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do not cut that. Okay. Okay, so I, I do want you to tell me um, why necessarily... 
you picked this movie. Was it because of the Ted Bundy thing? Is that what you're kind of going for? We had it a just, list, though, at some point. I don't remember this being on our list. It wasn't. Okay. So this occurred to you recently, but it's just been in your heart for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think definitely what um, immediately when I saw the Ted Bundy tapes, I thought of it. Well, this is one where usually I've usually seen the movies before, if not I've recommended them. So this, I was a new one to this, although I had seen the 1993 version, and the, I guess the American version is a better way of saying that. Right. <laughs> Directed by the same director, which we'll talk about, which uh-huh. is very strange, but starring Kiefer Sutherland and a young Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Jeff Bridges. Uh, and Jeff Bridges. As, I have never seen it still, and I don't yeah. want to see it because I just think it will. I don't recommend it. It's worth it as a curiosity, but I would recommend watching this several times and firmly locking it in your brain as the masterpiece it is, and then watching this as like a separate lark as if it wasn't even related. But uh, I remember it from my kid. I remember loving the trailer to it and thinking it looked so cool. Although I remember in the trailer, they actually give away that Kiefer Sutherland is buried alive. What? Yeah, they show him. With the you know turn on the lighter, it's like the big end scene in the trailer, which made me want to see the movie. And I remember watching and thinking that this is like really bizarre and badly acted and badly made. And even as like a kid, like kind of recognizing those things. Oh wow! Um, so I was very glad that you recommended it. Uh, slash gave me a homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the director is George Sluzier. Sluzier, how do you think you say it? I say Sluzer. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like something. Well, so he is Dutch. We we figured that out. Or you said he was from. He was born in France, but primarily lived in um, uh, Amsterdam. Right. So, yes. Um, This is based on the book The Golden Egg by Tim Krabbe. He's also Dutch? He is Dutch, yeah, for sure. Who also wrote the screenplay. Yes. Good for him. And you say it in uh, Dutch, uh, Sporloos. Yeah. Sporloos? The original title was Sporloos, which translates as. Uh, without leaving a trace. Oh, so not that's quite, so not, cool. Yeah, not quite the vanishing, but maybe there's no word for vanishing in Dutch. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. How creepy. Fascinating. Yeah, without leaving a trace. So, and actually on the title screen, it just has spore loose. Yeah. It's, it's not that you really change the vanishing. And it's got, uh, did you notice how that the two O's are really close together, like binoculars? Yeah. Spore loose. The movie starts out very foreign filmish. So I hope people don't like see because it, it starts out with like a, just a stick bug on a tree birds chirping so but don't turn it off right yeah i mean uh i was one of the reasons i was curious about this movie is because like when you told me about it i I was aware enough of it to you know know that well this isn't really i don't think a horror movie although even looking on online people do call it a horror movie so you know fair game but i I, I know you're right it is uh on the line of like a thriller yeah definitely more thriller psychological thriller um although there are two scenes in the movie that are genuinely horrifying to me and i'll um let you guess which ones those are okay but um you know the movie also has a you know as a foreign film maybe not so much but it does have an unusual structure Mm -hmm. um so i like uh, i was reading um what people said about online i found roger ebert's review so i thought i'd read what roger ebert said not the whole review, that'd be wild. <laughs> but it's just his opening paragraph about The Vanishing, which wrote, Nights 91, and this describes the structure or the tone of the movie very well, I think. Roger Ebert. One of the most intriguing things about The Vanishing is the film's unusual structure, which builds suspense even while it seems to be telling us almost everything we want to know. The movie is based on a domestic tragedy, on a wife who inexplicably vanishes into thin air, and of her husband's three-year search for information about what happened to her. Almost from the beginning of the film, we know more than the husband does. And yet the more we know, the more we wonder and fear. Mm-hmm. So I think that very uh, deftly describes the actual uh, tone and the the technique and the goal of the movie, which is basically, I mean, there's no real mystery to it other than specifically what happens to right. the missing wife. I mean, we don't know exactly what You mean, how, like, how she dies. Right. Or, or like, what happens after he takes What her. necessarily she goes through. Right. I mean, those are all kind of open questions. I think the answers are kind of supplied by him and the, you know, we're kind of tiptoeing around all these plot <laughs> points. Um, but I think the answers are revealed at the end through a very long monologue. But, but either way, you don't quite know. Yeah, so then the opening scene is a fun young couple on a road trip. They're playing road trip games. and right. They're going from, they, they live in Amsterdam. They're Dutch, but mm-hmm. they're going to France. 
yeah to see um i think they're going to see the tour de france because the whole time they have the radio playing right the, uh, and that, that also um the radio playing the tour de france keeps you in touch with when things are happening how interesting is that the background of the movie was the radio playing this instead of just music or a different way of showing us time. Yeah, yeah. Because once I realized, once that's the only way I knew, like, oh, okay, now we're at present time again because we hear the Tour de France. So right. I thought that was pretty clever. So we have Rex, the husband. Or friend. Or friend, yeah. We'll get to that. And Saskia, the young uh, wife. Yes. And they seem like a fun couple. She is um, beautiful. He uh, looks like a young Dominic West. Yeah, it's just smaller too. Yeah, just smaller, kind of wirier, wirier. Yeah, um, Dutcher. Yeah, Dutcher. <laughs> um, I'm a big Dominic West fan, so that's a huge compliment. Yes, but um, it was also distracting. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, they they both do a very good job in the movie. But they they seem like a you know they're a young couple in love. You know, kind of they seem like maybe they're newly married. I suppose. Yeah, but they also don't make it too happy go lucky. Right. I mean, that's very real. They fight, they bicker. Yeah, he leaves her in a tunnel. You right. know what you do. Yeah, yeah. And she seems uh, so. She seems kind of like a playful, sort of eccentric, very playful character. Let me ask you this. Okay, right. this is gonna make you so mad. <laughs> but is she a manic? Pixie I knew that. How did you know that? You did not know that. I <laughs> is she? I, the question I was gonna ask is: is is this character a manic pixie dream girl? I don't think that cliche existed then. No. Natalie Portman in Garden State. Kirsten Dunst in several movies, I suppose. You know, uh, Town or whatever. And, you know, this idea of this sort of young girl that's sort of a little bit off her rocker eccentric, but kind of is also the muse to some Zach Braff type character. That, well, when you say it like that, then she does seem to fit. Right, right, yeah. I'm not saying it's I also a see her kind thing. of like a, a character from Girls. Like, I can see her just being like a complete fuck up. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting because this movie is in 1988. Uh-huh. It's in France, <laughs> or you know, it's a foreign movie. Yeah, I, you know, this type of character, I'm just not. It seems like a more modern. It does character right. to me. It's just unusual, you know. So I'll just leave, leave that question out there. I'm not. That's, I'm not saying she's a manic pixie dream. I mean, she she does go and buy a frisbee for fun. Yes, yeah, she does. She falls down on purpose to be silly. Yeah. I mean, you could insert that character into, say, you know, Garden State or something, and she would fit right in. I think in Girls, they would make fun of her. <laughs> mm. um, there, there's a scene where they're, um, what I call the tonal scene slash the, the, the golden. golden egg scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think this is very important. I think this is kind of a pivotal part of the movie. Sure. Do you want to talk about just kind of what happens in it? And then I can go on my bullshit about what I Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll well, get very excited. So they're driving in their car through a tunnel. And it's a blacked out tunnel and they get in and they run out of gas. And so she talks about her dream. Yes. And so her dream is that she's having a recurring dream about being trapped inside of a golden egg flying through space. All alone. She, sp- she felt unbearable loneliness. Right. Uh, she felt like she was in a coffin. Did she say coffin? No, I, I'm sorry. That was me. I wrote down coffin excitedly. <laughs> <laughs> she said she was in a golden egg and I wrote coffin. <laughs> This is how my theorizing works. Okay. <laughs> um, right. She's buried alive at the end. Right. And she also says, but this time Spoiler. in my nightmare, uh, there was someone else. She felt another presence. Him. So, yeah, I think it's him. I mean, it doesn't quite literally make sense because it's not that they were buried alive at the same time. Right. The premonition is that they both experienced the same horror. <sighs> That's what her nightmare me. is. This is the best movie. Yeah. I'm not sure why it's an egg. The only thing I can think of was that time Lady Gaga showed up at the Grammys in that egg. <laughs> That's what she was thinking about. She was predicting Knowing that. Knowing her, she could have honestly been thinking about that. Um, but anyway, clearly they make it through the tunnel. They kind of make up a little bit. Yeah, he does apologize, I think. Right. Tells her that I've never loved you so much as when I left you in that tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> but they make it to um, a gas station. And then this is where the sort of, you know, central incident happens that, you know, uh, gets the whole movie going okay there there's one moment um so they're playing around she's gone in and gotten a frisbee and then there's one moment where she looks at him and gets really sad yeah hanging does out she, the gas station <laughs> does she get that like lonely golden egg feeling again for some reason does she, does she oh god i'm about to cry does she know that she's like about to get taken i don't know I, i'm not sure i know i can pinpoint <laughs> exactly what moment you're talking about there's a, after she brings the frisbee back, 
And there's a moment when she's about to go back and get drinks for them. And she stops and she looks at him and, gets, and just like drops her smile. And he kind of like takes a breath too. And they're both looking at each other. Like, yeah, I'll have to watch it again. It's like she knew. Oh my goodness. But he says, go get me a Coke and a beer. Yeah. She goes to the gas station. There's a few kind of back and forth scenes. But uh, but then the movie kind of focuses on him. But, he, uh, but then, you know, he kind of notices, okay, well, she's not coming out of the gas station. He goes in and can't find her. Uh, and he is saying, you know, has anyone seen my wife, my wife, my wife? Right. And it's the first time we've learned, okay, well, they're married, right? <laughs> before, Possibly. Yeah. Before we thought, I thought they were just, you know. Boyfriend, girlfriend. Boyfriend, yeah. girlfriend. Well, and there's also the creepy scene when he's out there running around. And he's trying to figure out. He's looking at the photo, trying to figure out where she might have gone. He kicks the can yeah, he of kicks, Coke. Yeah. That was, I was always kind of wondering, does he... Does he know what that is? I don't think so. Because later we know what it is. I mean, yeah. I guess you could guess. But I, I saw that as him just stepping on it, kicking it as no, I don't an arbitrary think, can yeah, of Coke. Yeah. yeah, because the little kid comes and first grabs yeah. the can of beer and says, Papa, I found you a beer. Yeah. And then... Um, that is actually something I didn't even notice till the second time, honestly. So I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be something he notices. No, but it's very it's so. very creepy the second time. Yeah. So we focus now on... Um, and I know his name isn't saying later, but his name is Raymond. We have to call him something. Raymond something. I we think have it's Dume or something. Raymond Dume. Yeah, we we actually see him very briefly at the gas station. The camera yeah. focuses on him. He's you know we clearly know he's up to no good, I guess. Uh, and it, there's absolutely no mystery whatsoever that this is the guy that has taken or done something with. Right. Well, Saskia. there's a scene of him putting on a fake cast, getting yeah. all ready, getting his. We have this sequence where it's what we've learned to be a flashback of Raymond. Um, I guess training it for what it is that he eventually does, which is kidnap Saskia. Yeah. He's training to yeah. become a serial killer. It's, it's like Batman Begins. <laughs> it's exactly like Batman Begins. <laughs> so we see him, uh, what, I guess um, he's at a house in the countryside of France. Yeah. He seems to have bought a, it's supposed to, I guess it's supposed to be like a little vacation house. Yeah. He wants it to be a place where women can scream and not be noticed. So. Oh, it's so creepy. He uses his children yeah. to make them scream. And then he asked the neighbors, did you hear anything? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So who is this guy? I mean, what do you mean? He's an unassuming... Some, some sort of accountant. He loves numbers. Well, he's, he's, a, he's a chemist, yeah. Yes, that's teaches, right. Teaches chemistry yes. or biology. I'm not yes. sure what. Yes, he loves numbers. He likes things very precise. Yeah. Um, he's very kind of uh, unassuming looking, you know, red hair. He's a ginger. Yes. <laughs> It's a kind of a funny goatee, maybe not so funny for France in like 1988. Right. Know, but <laughs> kind of a baby face, daddish. I mean, he's a dad. Yeah. Well, uh, that's one of the things that gets Saskia. You know, he sees she sees that picture of his family in the right, car, right? Right. And right. she's like, "I'm being silly." Yeah. Um, I guess that makes that's what makes it more creepy is that he does seem yeah just like a big nerd yes. almost. So he uh, tests chloroform out on himself. Right. By hitting a stopwatch as he does it depending on how much he writes he writes down everything down uh, he practices talking to the girls what he's gonna say how long it takes to walk around the yeah. car what a coincidence oh my gosh he's and he's so fucking proud of himself yeah that stupid smirk that he gets on his face yes yeah. he's like oh yes uh 25 seconds he's just so proud writes it down his little notebook he even tries it out on his daughter remember when his, he picked his that's daughter one of the school? most yeah that's one of the creepiest scenes he lets he puts her in the car he counts he comes around and then puts his arm around her and then when he what he does to her the daughter right. is he pinches her nose but because you've seen that five times already yes so that's the first time i sort of gasp in the movie because you know i was literally trained to think oh this is a violent act and it's not but he's also he's monitoring his heart right trying to keep it down so he doesn't get yeah which i know they had fitbits back then i know that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah. uh he's learning his creepy pickup lines in every language possible oh that's what he's doing i was wondering about that he's timing himself down to the second on, on saying these things he's practicing saying it in english and then he's got them all, all these note cards written down yeah oh my gosh but what i do like is that once he you know because they have this whole sort of training sequence <laughs> Uh, where he, you know, tries this on several different women, you know, and I do like that. The one thing he didn't count on is that most of these women are like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I love that. you. I know. Of... And that's what it also, it makes me think of Ted Bundy. Again, he wasn't this charming, evil genius. He was preying on these women, but they were just trying to be nice. They're tr they were trying to help. They didn't know how far they should go. 
he took advantage of that. And that's what this man was doing. He was pushing his limits. But yeah, I liked that too. About And that's probably, Ted Bundy probably did that a hundred times. The yeah. woman didn't work out. There was times whenever in the movie, Raymond would try to get the woman to give him directions and come in his car with him. And she was like, no, I want to walk. Right. <laughs> I'll no, it's down the street. Yeah. And then um, there's that one woman who's um who actually had known him right from like a soccer practice or right. something. And she's like, Yeah, and you know, next time you wanna find a woman, you can just go, Oh, well she actually gives she him the gives idea. She gives him the idea. Yeah. But she's just mad at him and she's like and she kinda of figures him out and she just thinks he probably wants to find someone to fuck. She never would have, would occurred to her that he wanted to murder this woman. Oh, right, right. You, yeah, you don't get that idea for sure. But. He's just a creep. Well, at one point, he chloroforms himself by accident. He finally gets a girl in the car. Oh, right, yeah. And then he sneezes and puts his own chloroform over, over his face, you know? So he's like, he's an idiot. Probably just like how Ted Bundy was. So, um, so yeah, so we ju- now we jumped ahead three years, yeah, like you so said. Our guy, um, Rex, is, so Rex is hanging up posters of his you know wife or friend, <laughs> who's been missing for three years now. He's kind of a local celebrity, it seems. You know, he has a new girlfriend. What's her name? Lena Kay. They're following up on a lead. We don't quite know what. But she is in tow. They're back in France. Uh, yeah, she's being very supportive. Yeah, she looks amazing. Yes. So we want to talk about what she's wearing. Oh, my gosh. Those, like, gaucho pants? No, those are, like, those would be short. I don't know. Just those. It's amazing. Yeah, she, she looks very French. Yes. And uh, it does not look like, you know... 1988 anything no other than you know i guess whatever was on the cover of vogue back then but and he looks good too he's wearing this kind of cool little sweater with his uh, with the sleeves rolled up you know got some nice pants he looks different than they did in the first 20 minutes maybe she's elevated his style or something <laughs> but they look very sophisticated you know but yeah just, that's what's so interesting about like we did the lost boys and you look at that and that screams yeah, 80s to us but yeah. that's because it's american 80s merry-go-round trench coats <laughs> But we're talking about 88 over in France, um, Amsterdam, and it looks different. The car, we don't, I don't recognize those cars. Yeah, it could be now. I would it not could know. be, yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting. It's really cool. Yeah. And it's, you know, shot so well. They both look fabulous. Um, but anyway, they're apparently on their way. You don't quite know what they're doing, but they're, they're on their way to a cafe. We learn he's been given a postcard by our guy. Right. What's his name? Raymond. Raymond. But then we learn that he's this is his fifth one. Oh. So we catch up with them. They're in the cafe. He doesn't see me anywhere. You know, and then his girlfriend shows up, Lee Nikkei, and she's like, God damn it, we're doing this again. She gets <laughs> kind of mad. And he's like, where can he be? He's not showing up. And then, of course, the camera pans, and he's like, right there. <laughs> I don't know. It could be that guy staring daggers at you, you know, from, the, from the balcony with his fist clenched on the rail. But they never put him in focus because obviously right. it's never in Rex's focus. But yeah, you'd wonder why he wouldn't be like, hey, what about that creepy guy? Yeah, you're staring at us. <laughs> he was up there. Now he's down here. Yeah. I mean, if I was there, I'd be looking everywhere. You know, just you can't see me looking everywhere, but that's what I'm doing. I don't know. This guy. This guy. Classic Rex. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also learned that, uh, you know, Rex has been making some TV interviews. Right. So, right. So we see him watching with his family. Just so happy. Right. Ray- Raymond, we mean. Yeah. Right watching rex and then this is creepy creepy scene where and again this is something that happens off camera where you hear the girl say hey there we are you know we're on tv yes and i'm like what this is just me saying what, what i'm doing right. it's that same little square i guess where they live um above the cafe oh right right yeah but you if you look at the video carefully you can see them in the corner of the frame kind of bopping about right. red haired and then a little blonde girl it's creepy because you know, now, is that before or after the birthday party scene? Raymond's it's before birthday. that, yeah, before that. So at Raymond's birthday, he gets some presents from his family, which is also very creepy because, so they give him the keychain, they give him the sweater that he's wearing the day he gets Saskia, and she they give him the book. Oh my gosh, and the tiles, because he pulls the tile box from the back to trick Saskia oh, saying right, he's looking yeah. for. So all those birthday presents end up being a huge part of Saskia's abduction. Okay, How creepy yeah. is that? Yeah. Because also he when he opens up the photo album they get him, there's a picture of him with his cast on. And that's how he gets the idea that he needs to wear the cast because he needs to be uh, look weaker. I mean, I, well, that's, that's, that's huge. So I didn't creepy. get that. Yeah. I just realized that right now. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that at all. I didn't get it until right now. Yeah, well, brilliant. So anyway, that so that's that sequence. I think we should just kind of 
get to the part where they meet up though because yeah, most of this i think some of that stuff i've even talked about is is intercut later right after right they right, meet. Yes, so, right so raymond so, is getting fed up by watching him on tv he's getting very excited yes <laughs> he just has to meet him he finds him yeah what if i just approach him and tell him i'm the killer yeah, yeah. uh what would happen then so the final sequence of the movie which is quite long raymond uh basically just you know barging in on his life he walks up to him on the street and says i'm the man you're looking for right or some version of that it's dutch again we don't know what they, they could say something else entirely <laughs> uh, this could be a comedy for all we know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yeah so raymond gives him a very sort of kind of faustian you know not to, we're talking about a criterion collection movie so i can say the words like faustian okay right? like yeah faustian bargain which is i will tell you what happened to your wife if you or re- friend we're not sure yeah or friend but you have to agree that it happens to you too. Yeah. Was that the deal? Yeah. Yeah. You have to basically have to find out for yourself. Yes. Everything that I did to her, I will do to you. And then you'll know. Right. So if you want to know, you have to get through yourself. Yes. So I guess technically it could be a fine. <laughs> she could just be hanging out at the house. Right. Yeah. yeah. He could have thrown her a, you know, a party. I and- mean, he asked, he asked very point blank questions through their car ride yeah. did you rape her yeah he's like please yeah yeah which i don't like, know what he means by that answer i know like obviously or right i would never right it's a great line reading the way he does it because you can take it either way Ugh, i know they're doing all this in a very long car ride right. on the way to somewhere the truck stop <laughs> the truck stop right so they're kind of in a combined space they're kind of getting to know each other and our boy raymond is being very honest about his motivations yeah. and kind of just laying out his whole oh life. jonathan groff would love to talk to oh him. yeah yeah so this isn't us like theorizing about what he's doing this right. is him like telling yeah you know kind of what he's all about yeah okay so continue <laughs> oh so one of the main things he tells him about is whenever he was a boy and he had the urge to jump off his balcony yes and he thought well you had the urge not to do it, but what if I did it? Right. And he jumped off his balcony. Yeah. And, and there's that great moment where he said, or that great line about, if I'm predestined not to do it, then if I do it, then I can't be predestined. It's very confusing. Yes. But basically, he's like, if I do it, I'm somehow cheating destiny because obviously I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. He also tells him the story about when he saved a little girl from the river. Right. And again, it's that same sort of thing. He is standing there and he's thinking, I should jump, but I don't have to jump. And he does jump. It is. It is very, it's it's too deep. But right. then he saves a little girl. Yeah, but when he saves her, the, the kind of real, because um, that's, you know, the first thing he realized was, okay, I I can jump. This makes me different from other people. Right. Uh, there's, a, there's a quirk in my brain that just makes me able to do this. And he also identifies himself as a sociopath. Yes, he Which is. another thing, it seems very early to me, 1988. To be talking about sociopaths, especially Clinton, like because he even says yeah. the psychological manual defines it as this. It's pretty heavy his time, you know. Yeah. But uh, it seems to be what triggers his memory about the the incident with the girl is not that he saves her, but that he has to do something like in response to that because his daughter calls him a hero. So he's basically thinks to himself, okay, well, if I'm suddenly a hero, I must somehow be capable of something evil then i don't know if it's a metaphor or what but he saves the little girl and the little girl says but booty drowned oh right right and he's like well who's booty and she's like my doll and you see the doll and he's and then i don't know if he kind of realizes he has the power to save someone or not another one of my favorite lines was when his daughter says to him you're a hero daddy or whatever and he says uh, i am a hero but never trust a hero a hero is capable of rash gestures, which I thought was really fascinating. I mean, superheroes. We we're talking about the beginning. If you think about Iron Man, yeah, he's capable. If he's capable of putting a um, ferry boat back together and saving everybody, is he capable of blowing that ferry boat up or whatever? I don't know. It's just fat. That was fascinating to me the way he said that. It's just yeah. I think that's it. Because ugh, I think, but it's just. But that's what I think he's, he's operating off because it, it seems like he's basically he's experiential. He's these are all experiences to him, which probably makes him a sociopath. He, you know, he jumps because he wants to do it, see what happens. But when he realizes he can be a hero, okay, okay, well, what would it be like to be the opposite thing? Right. I must find out. Yes. <laughs> What's the worst thing I can do? Oh, my god! I mean, this is literally, you know, this is what he says, you know. And so he says, and there's this interesting line where he says to, uh, I keep wanting to call him Kiefer, but I'll call him Rex, if only. Uh, what if he was in this movie? 
but it'll as just a, as a boy. <laughs> well, no, it was kid, no, right? Oh, right. This was '88. As a boy, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he played his son, <laughs> but he's still like 20. Yeah, we'll just call him Kiefer. Um, but he has that, uh, you know, Raymond has that line where he says, "Okay, so I thought about what I thought about what would be the worst thing I could do." And he goes, by the way, death is not the worst thing I could do or something like that. Oh. So what does that mean? Uh, I mean, are we talking torture? Being buried alive? Being buried alive. That seems very specific. Yeah. But so, but, but before Rex makes the big decision, they go on like a little buddy road trip. I know. Yeah. It's it crazy. is insane. I mean, yeah. they, they take a stop and they have a conversation about funny last names. And, and this is kind of one reason why I think, like, you know, Rex is not necessarily overly concerned anymore anyway with exactly whether she's, like, alive or dead. He just wants to know what happened to her, mm-hmm. you know, because – and I think that's why a lot of this – the reason he's doing this is out of guilt, you know, the tunnel thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not necessarily because he just absolutely – like, I don't think he's still, like, in love with her, for instance. Well, no, that's what that's what he – because that's what he said to his yeah. new girlfriend – he said, if Saskia was here right now, I would still choose you. Right. Yeah. Well, from all the true crime that I've learned about, the hardest ones are when the parents or the family or the friends don't know. And I mean, I could just see so many of them taking this deal with this guy. And that's just like so tragic. Like they would rather go through what that person did just to know. Yeah. There's just something about knowing what happened and knowing where they are. That for some, whatever reason, like I've never lost anybody like that, so I can't say, and I hope I never do. And I've heard things about how, you know, parents have had to read the autopsy report. They had to know everything to know what happened to them. They want to know exactly what they went through. And it's just, right. Ugh. I guess I think that's where this, that makes this movie a little bit cynical about that is because he has those same motivations, but lacking kind of the heart of it. Oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, because like it's, you said, it's, it's earlier, much more selfish. Right, like yeah. you said earlier, they were already kind of. It seems like they were burning hot. That couple, right? Right. Yeah. They're a little bit on the rocks. Yes. They were not. Gonna they last. were going to burn out. Right. Um, he loves his new girlfriend, wife. Mm-hmm. There's nothing necessarily wrong with this. This is human beings being human beings, but he's not doing this necessarily to find her and rescue her. No. He, he's doing it for himself. He's selfish. Yeah. He just wants to know. He feels um, guilty. Yeah. So anyway, that's just another layer to this movie that you know, I think that's just one of the things that makes it just kind of disturbing, you know, which on a first watch are, isn't necessarily that apparent. Right. But at eight in the morning on a Saturday <laughs> when you're having an existential crisis, uh, you kind of notice these things. <laughs> so he does decide to take um, Raymond's offer. Yeah, and how. <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing about all that is, is like, it's almost like a like the film is like criticizing you for wanting to know because everything you learn about how he does it is not at all surprising it's all information you already had you knew he probably chloroform her because right <laughs> so it's basically kind of telling you even though it's very shocking when it happens but it's like none of this information is very interesting or anything you really need to know you're kind of the same situation as you know rex is really i mean she's gone Mm-hmm. Uh, the details maybe aren't necessarily important. You're kind of being just voyeuristic at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah how dare you, viewer? <laughs> you know, as I'm eating my popcorn. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's just the kind of thought I had because really none of the information we we see is at all surprising. Or, But I do like the scene when he finally, like, he drinks it and throws the coffee cup at the car and it hits the windshield, you know. But he's just like, fuck it, you won. I guess the next scene is him burying him and then we see um, Rex wake up. In the coffin, and that's very terrifying. And also, it's he's using the same lighter that Saskia bought him. Remember at the truck stop, she buys him a lighter, and he's like, um, "I don't even smoke." Yeah. And she's like, "It's for me to light me cigarettes, you dumb." You know, and then she <laughs> she is a manic picture. She says, "Have you heard this song before?" Because <laughs> <laughs> then she like throws him down, and jumps on him. Yeah, you're right. Um. This song will change your life. So the coffin scene, that's the one thing that bums me out about the movie because had it not, because that's the one thing about the Kiefer version I remember. Uh-huh. Either way, I knew it was coming. I absolutely knew that was coming. Right. That I does, knew one thing yeah. about the vanishing was like that scene. Yeah. It's very much like a, um, like an Edgar Allan Poe thing. Not, oh, yeah. I mean, not because of he's like trapped in a, you know, cast of 
you know, the guys yes, like buried yes. by the wine cellars, can't think yeah. of name. Not because of specific, but just the sort of uh, moral of it. Almost like there's a lesson we learned. Like, well, here's what you get, you know. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, it's what he gets. Yeah. Does seem like the most evil way to kill somebody. Yeah. My biggest fear is just being killed by a chainsaw. That's just me. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah, that's just me. need to show you my miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> which I've been here about 12 hours and there's, there's nowhere in sight, by the way. <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah. I haven't been in that room, but, you know. Um, am I sitting on them? <laughs> so that's the last scene, though, right? That's, yeah. So. Well, well, I mean, that's the last scene. And then they um, they show another bug, a praying mantis, sitting in a in the grass. So I don't know if they're just, like, tying that into, like, what are all these tiny things happening around you they don't know are there? Or if there's just... they just Oh, because, you know, yeah, the last scene is him with his family yes. and you... Okay. Yeah. Know that he's under there. Right. I guess. Yeah. No, I wasn't up on the whole bug thing. I have a theory for that. You do? I don't. I oh. don't. Yeah. That's, I just didn't go there. But, um, but yeah. So I assume that they're under. I guess he and his wife, girlfriend, friend, right. are under where they're having their picnics and whatnot. Yes. Right. I guess the idea. Okay. Yeah. And then they pan up to his car, and you see a newspaper in the back of the car. And oh, it, and he's missing too. Yeah. 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 They're together, and they're um. Golden, golden eggs. egg. Yeah. Why'd you say it like that? Because <laughs> I was reading on my notes. Oh, you can't. And it looked at, like it said sack. But... <laughs> golden sack. <laughs> Gross. All right. There's the one, one other stray thought. Remember when he gets pulled over by the cop and the cop's like, you're not wearing a seatbelt? And he says, I have a medical note. I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in Denmark or wherever this is? Sweden? France? Uh, yeah, that's some... That's some bullshit right there. <laughs> but then how ironic is that? He said he's claustrophobic and then he buries people alive. Oh, so that's what he thinks. That's the answer. Because you said, I can think of worse things than death. If he's claustrophobic. Oh. Okay, so we solved it. Good job, Kristen. Yeah. yeah and then that, A that, plus. That, yeah. That might... <laughs> so he just thought about what his worst fear is. Oh, yeah. Burying people alive. Yeah. Oh, well, that's also another thing that was so creepy was that he said... Sex workers were so easy to get. He didn't want to get them. And also nobody cares when they go missing, which was just like so disturbing on so many levels. Like one being that that's not what he wanted. It was too easy to get a sex worker in his car because he's paying them. And then another another level that nobody cares. He wanted not only that nobody cares and that that's always been an issue, but that he wants somebody to care and he needs that. He needs a Rex. To care about it and to hurt people. Uh, did you ever read that book, um, The Lost Girls? No. I don't, I don't, what is that? It, it was a, about a bunch of sex workers that were murdered in New Jersey. And they were being buried in the sand up in uh, New Jersey on a beach. And they finally found them all. There were probably like seven of them. I don't remember. And all the families of the sex workers were saying like, yeah. We reported them missing. We told you that they were missing. And the cops were just like, they didn't do anything about it. You know? I think I've heard about the real story. I didn't know there's like a... No, this, this, this is the real story. Okay. Yeah, it's a book. I think it's called... Oh, it's a book. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so that was all so disturbing. So anyway, that made me angry too. And Raymond it makes me angry. And Ted Bundy makes me angry. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad we watched this movie. <laughs> But I love the movie. Yeah. It's and and this is what I like about true crime, and I like the the psychology behind it. And this just really gives you everything you want if you like true crime and you want to know about why serial killers do what they do. This is not. I mean, this is a fictionalized version, obviously, but it's fascinating and it's well yeah. so well done. I do recommend watching it. Watch it twice, apparently, because you know a lot of things get missed the first time. Uh, R.I.P. Saskia. Saskia, yeah. Manic Pixie Dream Girl, number she, one. Yeah. She is. Yeah. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for that, probably from Saskia fans or possibly feminists. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The more you I mean, I'm a feminist and I can say that. I mean, yeah. I think it's a feminist critique, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that was a, more of a serious episode, I guess. But this is also a PSA to women. I don't fucking trust anybody yeah, but if you do get um kidnapped and murdered it's not your fault either it's just like it's such probably not I mean, probably not yeah. what were you wearing for instance <laughs> chris <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, I'm already in so much trouble. <laughs> so much trouble. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we need to get to bed. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> uh, you met Gabby tonight. Yes, I met Gabby, um, who did our, our wonderful theme song. She's a lovely person. I was glad to meet her. So once you, again. You said that she was so cool. You, she was. You she were was, intimidated. Yeah. Well, I didn't say I was intimidated, but I did say she was You said cool. you were so nervous. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, well, I was shaking. I was nervous by all the people I met tonight. They were all very <laughs> hip. You know? Underground Atlanta comedy scene, as I call it. So. But yeah, so uh, Gabby Watts on Instagram. She's at Gabby Rotts, G-A-B-B-I-E-R-O-T-T-S. Um, and then follow us on Instagram, at Sometimes Dead Podcast, Twitter, Sometimes Dead 4. Email us. Nobody has emailed us, Chris. I thought we were getting... Oh, those were comments. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we are so happy with all the listens and, you know, if you feel like talking to us, you can, you don't have to though. Yeah. We I, like the tweets we've been getting and the, the messages. So that's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, although this isn't always a funny podcast. That's right. We had a few zingers, so we're good. Um, but thank you for listening and, um, have a good, uh, day, <laughs> night. It depends on when they're listening, Chris. Yeah, crazy. Anything. Yeah. All right. Bye. So I needed. I, <laughs> I broke. <laughs>